Are you a candle enthusiast looking for something truly unique? Or can you not put your finger on what would be that perfect gift for that someone special? Then you need to check out Aunt B's Homemade Creations. This Etsy shop has everything from gaming dice candles to dragon head candles and even a skull named Fred. Plus just about anything your mind can think up with fully customizable options and other great products to boot. And here's the best part. Through March 31st, you can get an additional 15% off every product in the shop by using the promo code DRESDEN. With candles and products like these, you can create the perfect atmosphere for your next game night or reading session. Remember, use the promo code DRESDEN at checkout. That's antbeeshomecreations.etsy.com. Find the link in today's notes. Enjoy the show! Hi, everybody. I'm Josh. And I am Alyssa. And we are back with today's episode of The Podcast Was On Fire. And it wasn't my fault. Where we look into the good, the great, and the problematic of the Dresden Files series by Jim Butcher. <laughs> On today's episode, we have the fourth and final chunk of book two, Full Moon. <laughs> All right. Uh, how you doing today, Liz? I am good. It's my day off after a weekend from hell. Um, happy to not be working. And in your case, quite literally. I mean... Blood and viscera and suffering and terrible things. Yeah, and vomit and all that fun stuff. <laughs> well, gross. Well, we are happy to have you here with us. So I was a little bit worried getting into this novel. Obviously, we're going to do the book series in order. This is very widely regarded as the low point of the Dresden Files as far as the story, the writing, the characterization. And I don't necessarily think that's untrue having gone through it, but I do think the floor of the series rose a whole hell of a lot for me during this process. Awesome. I mean, it's cool because that's the thing where it's like when you go through it and discuss it, you see more. We were talking a little bit uh, before we started recording about how this reminds me of English class. And how, you know, you'd have to read the books chapter by chapter and you'd go through it all and you'd see stuff and your teacher would tell you this is what they meant. And it's like, but what if it's not what they meant? What if they meant this? And, you know, you were wrong. But here it's like there's no wrong. But you get to kind of think about it. You're using your you're using your analysis abilities and skills doing this. And it's kind of cool because I love I love reading. I love analyzing text. I was a theater major my undergrad degree is in playwriting. So analysis of text is something that I love. It's my nerdiness. And I love that we are able to kind of go through this and, you know, share each other's opinions. And I love that it changed your opinion. I love that it kind of like, it not necessarily changed it 100%, but kind of altered the perspective on it. Especially like you've mentioned a million times about Murphy. And I love that you like her more. In this novel. Oh, it cer- certainly reshaped my appreciation for her characterization. Like I said, I was literally holding this novel against her until the present <laughs> day. And that doesn't mean I'm like, I hate her still. But like, I really hated her coming off of this novel. And it, you know, over the next couple, you know, it softens out. And that was intentional that she kind of uh-huh. throws on you was the point. Um, but I don't think she's that bad in this to the extent where I was literally laughing out loud today. Uh, listening, listening to the book, um, 
And she, uh, we'll get to that line where she's giving him shit at the end for like yes. being the martyr. I love and that. And we're all cold. We're all cold. Um, it's just like before I thought she was kind of being, she was kind of being hard on him. And she really isn't. There's a technique for, well, how the hell does my English teach me? You know, Mrs. Johnson know that that's what Will Shakespeare meant. Exactly. There's a concept called death of the author where you don't really care what they meant. You yet let the text talk to you and whatever the text says is what the text says. Even if she comes out years later and says, oh no, he really pooped in his pants until the 1800s or <laughs> what, um, like it doesn't matter. It doesn't, it's not in the text. It doesn't matter what they say. Um, and we kind of bounce back and forth between that. And this is definitely my fault of fanboying over the novel series. We do give Jim Butcher a lot of credit for what he's attempting. I do at least in a lot of cases. So we bounce back and forth on that, but they're really looking at it from a perspective of what is actually in the text. I think is better than even what he meant to be in, in a lot of cases here. And again, I, I think the the narrative, the actual story is kind of lame. Um, I don't think we needed the lycanthropes at all. I don't think they add anything to the story. Um, you know, it, it's just, he wanted to have all these different, I agree. Yeah. But I, I think he just had all this cool lore in his head about different types of lupine theriomorphs. And um, that was one of the kinds but we didn't need to see all the kinds. We didn't see, there's another type of werewolf where someone else turns you into a wolf. We didn't see that one either. Yeah. So like, you don't need to see all the kinds. Um, he has a similar hiccup moving forward with some other types of lore where he just, he thinks of it, so he's got to include it, I think. Which, uh, it's just, it, it leads it's to- called self-editing. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, the, the plot gets a little bit bloated at points and it, it takes away from the good stuff. But again, like we were saying last week that even at the weakest part of this novel narratively, I'm loving the character moments that we get. Just absolutely adore you know, that that one scene with Billy was incredible. Uh, the where Billy the werewolf was just incredible. Understanding, even if being upset with Murphy's reaction at um eight eighty L eight eighty eight Ralston place up the Gold Coast, you know, these scenes mean more than the plot and that's really cool and it allows for a little bit of weakness in the storytelling because the people who are invested and dedicated to these characters get enough out of it that you can kind of grin and bear the iffy parts and there's enough there it's not an atrocious novel start to finish it's just there's some weaker points that he gets more skillful well and on. and for me for someone who hasn't read the the later on novels this isn't that bad i've read worse yeah, but I also like I'll I read I read trash. Not gonna lie, I read some total and utter trash, and that's totally okay. Um, maybe maybe you and Bob uh, have some. Bob lessons. and I probably would share books on the reg. Um, but yeah, that I I I will I love reading fun stories. So many things I read aren't realistic, and it's just like you know I'll read romance novels. I'll read like YA like books. And every now and again, you come across a series that's amazing, like the uh, Court of Thorn and Roses, that entire series is amazing. Technically, apparently, it's a young adult, but whatever. But then you, like, read series and you're like, oh. I mean, at least I like the characters. The writing sucks, but the characters are fun. But that's the thing where this isn't, this kind of walks that line. It's not like, oh, my God, this is the best thing I've ever read. But it is like, okay, this isn't bad. I've read way worse. Um, and that thing he's... He Jim Butcher does certain things very well. His his descriptions his are like we've said it a million times. The cinematic descriptions 
and his character. She's pretty true to his characters so far, what I've seen. Uh, we had discussed that some of the actions of the characters where Joshua was concerned that they were, the acts that they did were out of character, but we've kind of discussed that and they may not actually have been out of character. They were just a moment in time in that person's life. Yeah, I think the one the one real bat real mis mischaracterization mischaracterization that mm. jumps out with was the the varsity didn't that didn't yeah. that burn down last week? Which, no, it just it, bro. Was it, it was just unnecessary exposition that it was just a you know we again I, I I give credit because there are only so many ways to get information to the audience, but that was again clunky exposition stands out so yes. poorly, and you can tell what the things he does really well. Uh, you know the action scenes, the cinematic stuff, the uh, using his diction and his uh, tempo to kind of affect the mood in a scene uh, is really, really incredible. It's very theatrical, but his exposition, you know, his uh, techniques and exposition just aren't great. Which is funny for a first-person narrative. I think that might be why it works, even though that's a weakness. Because in a first-person perspective exposition is relatively easy comparatively he just says what he thinks you know some moments of, of great exposition though he has the moments of some really good stuff horrible exposition yeah. the the newspaper in stormfront for example <laughs> deus, deus ex newspaper article. yes exactly but yeah so i again I'm, i've been pleasantly surprised by this one I mean, our last few episodes have, have stretched a little long Sorry. as far as oh just there's some really good stuff mm -hmm. um so uh, we're going to try to get right into this one, but, um, you know, especially being the last book in a series, we're going to have some rambling, but um, I've just, I'm, I'm so much more impressed with this novel and knowing how I feel about this one vis-a-vis uh -huh. -vis the series overall, I'm so much more impressed with the series. If this really is the floor, and in my mind it is, though I've been reading some opinions about couple of the other books coming forward that I don't want to color your opinion too much. I'm going to try to bite my tongue on them. I appreciate that. Um, I will mention there's one novel that the first time you get through it is jarring and difficult. And we will talk about that before we get into it. Okay. Um, but it'll make sense in the moment. Um, but just there's one other one kind of in, as we in the build up here that other people have said, I didn't really hate it when I first read it and I've read it since, but that other people will say it competes with this one. But this, this is the floor or the 16th worst um okay. and think about how that colors my opinion of the whole series as yeah. well, knowing the heights we get to if this is the floor then jim my my dog really impressive so good stuff um uh, is gonna kick us off here with uh chapter 28 listen what do you got chapter 28 our band of merry canines has arrived at marcone's residence marconi's residence i'm gonna just say it both of the, all, every time uh and we open with another amazing cinematic description. The moon rose in silver splendor into an October sky strewn with pale clouds and brilliant stars. The clouds churned a white foam sea and the moon was a vast graceful clipper ship, its sails full of spectral light as it ran before the strength of the cold autumn winds. Pale light bleached each of the uncut stones on the nine-foot wall around Gentleman Johnny McCone's estate. Making edges sharper, shadows blacker, until it looked like a barrier made of gaping white skulls. I just love that. It just is so eerie and creepy. It reminds me, even though it's not, he's not using his sight, 
It reminds me of the description of Victor Sell's Lake House. Yes, totally. As soon as you said it reminds me, oh my God, I knew. I knew what you were talking about. Yeah. No, it definitely does. And it, but it's, it's so creepy, but it goes well with creepy energy that, you know, Gentleman Johnny puts off. So all of our little young people pile out of the van and we have more naked people. And so what I literally in my notes, it says more naked people must mean a climactic moment is going to happen. Well, yeah, well, we know we can't get through any important scene in this in this series fully clothed. Right. If there's an action scene, somebody's got to be fucking naked. <laughs> so they're in various states of undress. And that, that's just so appropriate for the alphas because the alphas they're just kids and that's one of the things they're just fucking kids and it emphasizes the thing about billy the thing about georgia it emphasizes that they're just fucking kids and it's that's kind of a big deal i think and it is a big deal for harry so tara goes and tries to find a place for them to, to get over the wall around the wall and and uh they, Harry has a, I was trying to think of a, a sports movie reference for this, but I couldn't really come up with one because he gathers them together and his joke about good evening. I, I was, I suppressed a sudden urge to say, good evening class. I'm your teacher, Mr. Dresden, and instead put on my most serious expression. But in my head, it was like, he's, it's like bad news bears where he's pulling the kids together and, you know, telling them what we're got to do and it's, but it's also that... Um, Go out there and win one for the Gipper. Exactly. Or that once more into the breach. You know, as you all know what's at stake tonight, I said, and that we could all get killed. We're going to be confronting a bunch of law enforcement people who have gotten a hold of some magic that's as black as anything I've ever seen, and you're, they're using it to turn themselves into wolves. They've lost control of the power they've grabbed. He vacillates back and forth, but this is Harry in a nutshell. It isn't enough to stand up and fight darkness. You've got to stand apart from it, too. You've got to be different from it. I love that. That's, that is Harry in a nutshell. Oh, yeah, he's telling the kids he wants them to, you know, he wants them to make better choices than him, basically. He wants, yeah. he wants to make sure they don't go down that dark path. That's great. But we revisit this. This, this, this is a very important statement. And it comes back later. I some of the stuff I have written down about what, where we're at, and what Harry sees and is. That is kind of that is the mission statement. That is the thesis. Absolutely. It isn't enough to stand up and fight darkness. You've got to stand apart from it too. You've got to be different from it. That is Harry's thesis. That is his mission statement. That is his life motto. Absolutely. And he is not always honest to it. But he admits it. Yeah, that's his goal. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. So Tara comes back and Tara says, hey, there's there's a crumbled part on the eastern wall. And then there are cameras. And the way she describes it, the, the way she describes the security measures are so perfect. This is one of those where Butcher gives voices to people that fit them. The patterns that Tara speaks, the patterns that Marconi speaks, It this is an example of that really cool kind of way he has his character speak. I also saw many streaks of light across the front gate. And there are black boxes with the glass eyes every 70 or 80 paces. <laughs> they do not see the crumbled place. It is a fortunate position. Cameras, I muttered. Hell. It's just cool. Because it, it, it could very much... 
it could very much be done more worse. We've seen these sorts of things done worse. And like, you know, the, what my, my example that I keep thinking of when Tara speaks is a little bit like it's a eloquent third rock from the sun. You know, like John Lithgow and all of that, they, 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 the way they described human things wasn't exactly eloquent, but it was a comedy. But Tara describes it in this most eloquent of ways. There are streaks of light across the front gate. So there's there's laser or like light um, sensors for motion sensors. And there are black boxes with glass eyes. It's just cool. I really like the way he does it because it is very much. Obviously, she doesn't know what these are called because she's not human but we've already established she yeah. wasn't fucking human i like that you made that reference sorry my microphone fell because there's a kitten um trying to knock over literally everything <laughs> she can possibly knock over you um, mean you mean our uh pas with yeah. production assistants uh are, frank and daisy and they're very helpful um yes. but literally what i did what i was gonna how i was gonna describe that sentence is an alien way of description and you went right to third rock to the side i thought that was really we're we're the same person carry on for better or worse that says more about good more good things about me than it does about you but uh there we go so and you know they talk about their concerns are mcfinn marconi and the fbi probably in that order i'd say and harry realizes he's not going to be able to run around to the other side of the compound he's injured he's fucked up and so you know he says uh we don't have time i don't want to go I can't go. I'm going to go over the wall here. Get me over the wall here. And because the other, the alphas, they're, they're not strong enough to go, to change back and forth. And so Terrace says, very well, wizard, I will show you to the nearest camera and help you over the wall. Do not move from where you land. We do not know who is on the other side of the wall or where. Don't worry about me, I said. Worry about yourself. If there's a good way through the wall, Denton might show up there too or go in. Or MacFin might. MacFin, Tara said, traces of pride in her voice and fear in her eyes, will not even notice that the wall got in his way. I love that line. Uh, that says a lot about how scary that motherfucker is. But beyond the, her, uh, you know, the way, the description itself, her, like, she's got pride, she's fucking, they're, they're, at the same time as her being terrified and, like, wanting to stop her. Proud of him. She's like, he's such a badass. That's my fucking, that's my dude right there. <laughs> yeah. He's a wolf. He is a true wolf. And so Harry uses his, anywhere else it is a downfall, but here it is kind of handy. Huxing up anything mechanical is usually fairly simple. The field of magic that surrounds practitioners of the art plays havoc with the implements of technology. A passing thought on the right kind of day can blow out a cellular telephone or kill a photocopier. This was the wrong kind of day. <laughs> the power I'd gathered through, it felt like it was about to split me at the seams. Rushed out in an, an almost impotent little hiccup of magic and swirled drunkenly toward the security camera. And then the camera goes, snap! And so he's got a little bit of magical juice left. Not much. But he's got something. So he's hefted over the wall. And he waits. And he waits. And he waits. Time passed, and I knew that a minute would feel like an hour. So I began counting one number for every deliberate breath. This is another thing that I noticed, uh... Time is mentioned a lot in this these chapters. 
And most of it is time is moving very slowly. But it feels like it's moving faster. There's a couple of references to that, which I thought was interesting. It wasn't until I got to 100 that I began to get really nervous. My stomach beginning a slow twist that made weak sensations lace out through my arms and legs like slivers of ice. Where was Tara? Where were the Alphas? It shouldn't have taken them nearly so long to get inside the wall and then to the cover, of dis cover the distance back to me. The evening had obviously been moving along entirely too smoothly, I thought. Something had gone wrong. I was alone. Great end of the, the chapter. And then it starts up again in chapter 29, just as beautifully. As he's wont to do. Um, as he is wont. I love it. Yeah, so chapter 29, again, is a... Uh, he's crouched, basically hiding, hoping that the wolves find him. <laughs> like Lucy said, it's just a, a great... Alone. It's one of those small words that means entirely too much, like fear or trust. It goes on from there. But I just really like that uh, implication there. He, he talks about how he, we give, get an idea about Harry's power about Harry's power level here. Okay. Um, you know, we it hasn't really been qualified. We know he's powerful. We get a little bit on the White Council. Mm -hmm. You know, we know there's there's people with lesser talent that we've talked about. Um, you know, there's sorcerers that pop up and warlocks. So we know Harry's powerful, but we don't really know where he's at. Certainly, you know, he talked about being terrified of Morgan. So there's certainly, there's always a bigger fish, right? Um, mm -hmm. But he says, wizards of his strength and power level, his usual levels, are few and far between. Maybe no more than two dozen in the United States. Slightly more co higher concentration in the you know, the rest of the world. That's the same number of working for forensic anthropologists in the United States. Not actually, that's... But it's close. <laughs> it's a very, very, very hard to get into field. And every forensic anthropologist I've worked with is brilliant. But it's just funny that, that about two dozen. I mean, that's about right. Oh, you have to be brilliant to do it, huh? Is that why you moved into a That's why I'm not. <laughs> I also didn't want to go to go take eight years to get a PhD. Ah, just kidding. You're the brilliantest. But... um. Yeah, I just think that's really cool, the idea that, like, he's in the top top 20, basically, wizards in America. But he starts the chapter alone and then says how alone he truly is. I get it. That's just interesting. Talks about being alone in this moment, but also in the world. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And I just thought that was so... I have that whole part highlighted. It's just, that's so cool. But he also, he also shows tells us about the dichotomy... That, that about difference between working alone and finding yourself alone. Yeah, it's great. That's just, ah, it's so well done. So, no, no, I, I love it. Really nerded out on that. that. That's awesome. Um, he uh, hangs out for a little bit. He starts to talk about how, how he talks about fear and trust, right? He's, he, which are the other words he mentioned there, but, um, you know, he's afraid and then he's trusting that, you know, the people he came with are going to take care of him and he, they trust him to take care of them. Um, but, uh, he basically assumes that Tara and the alphas are in trouble because wh why else wouldn't they be here? But there's another good line up there where, uh, he's describing the forest of a yard that Marcone has. Um, it's a gigantic property, these huge walls, like, all these trees, um, just talks about how big it is. Like there's uh, a bunch of hills and there's a pool and all this 
uh, you know, it takes an army of expensive gardeners and they say that crime doesn't pay. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. <laughs> I enjoyed that too. He does. He finally, he thinks it's Billy, but he sees one of the wolves and he's about to call out to him to try to connect with them. And then he sees um, a bright red dot, laser sight of a gun. And the wolf gets shot with some sort of tranquilizer. And he, he you know, it's interesting that he uh, locks eyes with Billy here for a second. But Billy kind of goes away before the soul gaze can start. Just soul gazes are really interesting. You know, they come in all shapes and sizes. Obviously, we get one later in this novel that's very different from all we've gotten at this point in the series we've gotten three i believe right with monica marcone and denton that comes up soon um i guess we can wait on that analysis wise but i do yeah. want to talk about that when we get to in the, the next lore. chapter and i totally have notes yeah. on that one. but let's let's talk about that at the end because it is kind of a greater lore question um but the wolf gets the wolf gets shot it's billy um denton says nice shot they go out, they, you know, they grab, they grab the wolf. And um, there's a couple of interesting descriptions here. There's a bunch of, uh, he thought they were like holes or shadows. Turns out they're, they're the other wolves. And all six wolves have now been captured. So Harry is alone. Um, but he notices a couple things about Denton. And he says his hair was still immaculately rigid, but he couldn't see the veins in his forehead. His tie was loose. His jacket was unbuttoned, and he moved with less steel in his backbone, but more fire in his belly. There was a, a surety and savagery of purpose. And what Harry takes all this to mean is basically he's changed. That last time turning into the Hexenwolfen has broken his ability to be dented. To be human. Human. Exactly. Although, as Tara would say, he, maybe he's more human now than he ever has been. Yeah. Uh, but he says the man had become a predator. Mm -hmm. you know, they talk about, they, they've caught them all. Someone says maybe Harry's one of the wolves. And I love, again, Marcone knows Harry yes. so well. He's like, I don't think so. Like, there's no way he's one of the wolves. I mean, certainly it's possible, but come on. And he knows there was one camera malfunction. Mm -hmm. He knows that's where Harry is. And I do like where he says. Because he knows Harry mal makes things malfunction. Oh, yeah. He, he knows just, Harry. He, he knows that. He knows Harry. Exactly. Um, all the way to his core. But I like how he negligently is like, I don't know, I'd check over there some way, somewhere. And the, the the laser scope ends up like a foot and a half away from Harry's head. <laughs> like, he says something like four leaves away. Yeah, like Marcone knows him. Um, and we get... Uh... Hang on. Um, sorry, it's in my other notes here. Tips. There we go. Okay. Um... Okay, so Marcone basically tells exactly what happened. He says where the wolves, the wolves came around. They, they all obviously caught the wolves. Um, the uh, FBI agents are having trouble holding it together. Uh, Harris, Harris is the kid, right? Yes. Harris, Harris wants to kill them all so they can go find Harry and get the uh, his belt back. Um, Very single-minded. Of course. Um, you know, the fat guy's giving him shit. Um, ben is being ridiculous uh, and just wants to shoot things she wants to destroy and eat and fuck things um but i love there's a line here uh it says and i saw the tips of her breasts stiffen beneath her white shirt um which is awful um but uh there's a there's a subreddit which is great called men 
men writing women, I think. Yeah. And the, their tagline is, she breasted boobily down the steps. Um, <laughs> when guys say, this isn't as bad as he gets by any means, and we'll reference more. Oh, but but it's just like the tip, like the tips of her breast. It's just a weird way to describe it. bro. Like, it's cold out. They also talk about how it's cold out. Maybe that's what it is, bro. I mean, yeah, we, based on the the characterizations and the descriptions of yeah, her, we get like it's yeah. pretty. It's probably pretty clear that it is a, a sexual thing. Like for her, the violence and the sex are all kind of one and the same. Um, but it's just weird and unnecessary description wise. Um, Agree. Uh, but I just that subreddit is great if you've never been to it. But uh, she breasted boobily down the steps. Is uh, that's there? That is pretty spectacular. Can I just okay? So I have a note in, yeah, highlighted and bolded and all caps, and it has nothing to do with anything other than the description of Marconi's backyard. Yeah, go for it. The ruins. He has a folly, and my Victorian loving nerd. A what? The ruins. It's called a folly. What is that? So it, in in the Victorian era and the Edwardian Regency area, probably Regency through Edwardian, rich people would build fake ruins on their property. And it was called a folly. Funny. I got so excited at that description. I was like, oh my God, he has a folly. That's awesome. I love Victorian. I love the Victorian era. It's just fascinating to me on so many levels and all of the like social constructs of the Victorian era. So it was one of those super nerdy moments. That's awesome. And it was just like, oh my God, he has a folly, which has no function or use other than looking at. That's how rich Marconi is. But anyway, sorry. He's got, he's got all the money. He has a folly. So exciting. Okay, go on. Um, <laughs> I'm such a nerd. No, that's great. I love it. Uh, where are we at here? Uh, she breasted boobily. Yes, she breasted boobily. And then we get an idea of what their deal was. Um, their supposed deal. We all obviously know that the FBI agents are up to no good. Denton says, don't worry, Marcone. We'll turn the wizard over to you once we find him. No questions asked. That being the case, I start suggest you start looking while I make preparations for Mc, Mr. McFit. Please remember that I want Mr. Dresden alive, if possible. Which, if possible, Harry's Harry's not excited about that. But again, like, what does Marcone want Dresden alive? Yeah. What is he obviously know that he wanted a working relationship? Harry's rejected that thrice now. What's once going on? Once in Stormfront and twice here. Uh, what? What is Marcone's end game here with Harry's? Very in interesting. Um, and then it does end with the, the laser sight settled onto a leaf six inches to the left of my head. Mm -hmm. And a thready pulse of fear in my chest turned into an icy white streak of terror. Damn, damn, damn. Pretty grad. Excellent. I mean, it's just, again, cinematic. All right, just the... <laughs> this isn't even technically interaction between the two i guess but i just love how much they know each other yeah they really and and even for all harry you know to give harry a little bit tiny smidge of credit marcone <laughs> marcone doesn't often surprise harry either yeah they really do obviously you know he didn't think he would get into a relationship with the, with the fbi agents trying to kill him but they don't know he's trying to kill him uh we know he's corrupted the police and the fbi you know and officials all over the place but like they don't surprise each other, which again just makes them such interesting foils. Yeah, because in order to get one up on them, you got to get up real early to fool Johnny Marconi. 
All right. So chapter 30. So I love this kind of uh, confused state. I guess it's conflicted is probably a better word for it. If I ran, I would be seen and pursued and likely torn apart. If I remained where I was hidden, I would be found and then torn apart or shot or tranquilized and given to Johnny Marconi. A poor set of choices, but I wasn't, it wasn't going to get any better. Sorry, I wasn't going to get any better ones by sitting on my ass. I love it. So he's like, well, all right, let's rock and roll. And, you know, Dad's, oh, did you hear that? What is that? Hold on, I think he's over here. And then Wilson says, could be a raccoon, squirrel, or a cat. Don't be naive, came Marconi's voice, laced with scorn. It's him. Because <laughs> he knows. Of course. Marconi knows. It's so good. It's so great. Um, And this is another... I, I have this highlighted because it's... Denton still doesn't know what he's up against. He says, watch yourself. We don't know all of what he can do. Don't take any chances. I, I love that because, again, his the people who are aware of these types of things, which obviously someone who have found somehow found these wolf belts is involved tangentially in the in the world of magic and so he knows it exists you know um harry you know we were in his mind and in his mind he's this bumbling idiot who recognizes he has power but he's always surprised by other people giving him credit for that power <laughs> yeah whereas whether it's marcone reading his his you know uh, figuring out about MacFin being a hex and wolf murphy listening to him you know um he, he he talks about he's this bumbling fool. And again, we, we see it firsthand, right? Like mm-hmm. even all all of us know this, you know, all of your great successes, like thinking back step by step, like Jesus Christ, how did that work out? Yeah. I mean, but that's my story of my life there. Like, holy shit. What's well, everyone, how's everyone how, right? Like, how did that? Okay. All right. I survived that. Okay, cool. <laughs> the, the idea that like <laughs> the, the heroes aren't perfect. It doesn't just magically happen in your own mind. Everybody has a little you know, imposter syndrome, you know, like everyone's just trying to get through it. And sometimes it works out. But so Harry doesn't realize just what that looks like that's, on the outside. That's the realism of Harry. Oh, yeah. But it also I touched on that in Stormfront and it becomes a theme as we get through later that like he has no conception of people, how people feel about him. And that's a big weakness of his he gets him into trouble same bro same <laughs> sure but it gets him into trouble because he doesn't people think he's more powerful than he is and he's scarier than he is and so he, yeah. he does stuff that he thinks is just normal and to people who know he's powerful but don't know what he's getting up to it's fucking terrifying and he, but that's sort of isn't that sort of the mo of the mob where it's like you don't know all that they have or do or can do but it's the the fear is that in what they what you what they might be able to do sure. and that's the fear with Harry. But Harry doesn't want that perception. He's no. a good guy. He's yeah. not the mob, or is he? But it's eight eight. But that's one of the things where it's just like okay. I mean, it makes sense to me. It's just how he's how he is portrayed. Is it good? Which is, is as good a time as any to say that my crackpot theory. I told Alyssa before the books, but. My trackpot theory is that Harry's really the bad guy. Um, I love it. The tale, and it's not really substantiated by any of the text. Uh, that is a spoiler for book twenty-five, um, Empty Night, for anyone listening. 
um, that comes out in 2037. Um, I, ju- I just spoiled the big apocalyptic trilogy. Harry's the bad guy. Um, we all go the, the books that haven't yet been written. Yeah, yeah, no, it hasn't. Not even he hasn't even thought of the, the, the books yet. He just knows the title. But uh, yeah, that's my crackpot theory. It's it's not actually true or reasonable, but I think it would be so badass. If you write just a turning at the end, twenty-four books about how these are still saying him. Yeah, but twenty-four books about from the bad guy's perspective, about how he's the good guy, and then in the last book we we realize, oh shit! But doesn't every bad guy think that he's righteous in some way? Exactly, exactly. Well, not even righteous in some way. They think they're just righteous. That's the same. Yeah, Harry has killed multiple people by now. Um, or at least partially responsible for their death. I mean, he killed. His mentor. Oh, he killed. Yeah. And he killed. I mean, yeah. Victor Sells, he threw over the, he threw into a bunch of scorpions and Kalshazak. I mean, he wasn't coming back from that. Good old, good, uh, good old Kalshazak. So, um, this is not something I spend a lot of time diving into, but I do want to get it on record just so in 15 years when uh, Empty Night comes out and I'm proven right. <laughs> um, <laughs> I lost my train of thought. Oh, you, it's your chat. No, it's, it's all good. It's a, okay. So, at this point, um, Harry is—he's floundering, and he's—I ran deeper into the woods, marshalling my thoughts. I had gained a little time, but time to do what? Running would only put me up against a stone wall. I doubted I'd be able to climb it with a bum foot and a wounded shoulder, and I could only play the rabbit in the woods for so long before I was found. Damn it! I thought, I'm no rabbit. It was about time the hunters became the hunted around here. <laughs> so fucking rad. It's very, it's a very good line. And it, it's very much Harry found some extra courage. He really did. And then we, you know, this is another. They came forward quietly and without any lights flickering around at the edges of my vision. Maybe Denton and his cronies were getting used to the darkness. It seems like Harry can see a lot in the dark. Yeah, that is a weird, that line stands out because he's saying, oh, maybe they're getting used to the darkness while watching them move through the dark. You know, like, yeah. Um, which it's, it's something I noted about Harry's sight. Harry can see really well. Yeah, he also talks about how even his listening, like how he can listen when he like slows it all down. So you know, presumably that is a magical power that he does. He says he doesn't think it's magical but i think it is and maybe his eyesight is connected to that as well mm-hmm. um and then one of my favorite so he's hiding one sec about one second sorry i just want to touch one last thing on that same line so you don't have to go back and forth um however he does say the lights flickering at the edges of his vision it is a uh like a technique for moving around in the darkness that you're i don't remember which ones are rods and which ones are cones but the ones... Yeah, you use your peripheral vision. Yeah, whichever ones are... One of them's rods and one's are cones. One of, the, one of them is really good with low light, yeah. and that is on the periphery. So, like, if you're running, you're walking, you're know, trying to get through a forest at night or whatever, you actually want to look kind of off. Look down. Look, yeah, but you want to look not directly where you're going so that you can use the side... You know, the edges of your vision are actually a lot better at low light vision. So it makes sense that Harry can see them a little bit. Because he's using a actually using a human technique based on biology, but uh, it is definitely why can he he talks he can see really well and then he's confused by the FBI seeing really well. It's just a funny juxtaposition there for sure. Oh yeah, 
It is entertaining. That is very, very entertaining. Where, but it's Harry's very interesting in the scene. But you know, he's hiding and he says about ten billion years went by. <laughs> Again, we're referencing time moving very slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, so he gets up from his hiding place and he actually comes up behind Denton and he holds him hostage. This is a na- little my. This is a little. I literally in my notes, but action movie moment. Drink. You know what she's thinking about, drink. I know, I know. It's not quite... What do you got, Owens? (laughs) But it's very much that, you know, timing and quiet. Don't move. Denton hissed, but frozen place. Dresden, I should kill you right now. I mean, it's just, he's got the gun. He's like, don't move your arms at all. Reach for that belt and I'll kill you before you're halfway to furry, Denton. Which I I love that, before you're halfway to furry. Um, But he, you know, he puts a safety on, drops a gun. Not bad, Dresden, but this isn't going to do you any good. Put the gun down and we can talk about this. Smooth, polite, nice delivery, I said. They teach you that in the FBI? These are typical, like, those hostage negotiation things where it's just like, it's not going to do you any good. You know, hey, buddy, we can talk about this. It's kind of puts you on that same level. It's very much a hostage negotiation. Well, he said this to the uh, alphas also in the street where he said, we get their belts off. Maybe we can, maybe they'll be a little bit more rational. We can, we can talk. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, I, I get his idea. It obviously doesn't work, but like that is, he, that was his plan. He wanted this to end without bloodshed and the way to do that, yeah. to get them away from their belts, get them to recognize the situation and then find some fucking way to deal with this giant furry monster that's about to come eat us all. Yeah. But, and that's the thing. It's just like, you know, and that's, this is a nice interaction. What do you hope to accomplish here, Dresden? Denton said. I let go of his neck, pressed close, and reached around him to remove the wolf pelt belt from his middle. I saw his jawline shift as I took the belt away, but he remained still and quiet, his hands in the air. I was just going to ask you the same thing, Denton, I said. <laughs> now call your buddies out of the trees. Very slick. And, you know, these Hexen wolf mofos come out, and this is his unwitting action hero moment uh hi guys i said a bit lamely i've got your boss <laughs> Put the guns down take off your belts and walk away from them nice and slow or i'll kill him a part of me probably the smarter part groaned at my course of action and started cataloging the number of federal and state criminal codes i was breaking into tiny pieces by taking a member of the federal bureau of investigation hostage and threatening to kill him and attempting to take hostage three more I stopped counting broken laws at 10 and, and waited to see what the Hexenwolfen's response would be. I just love that. It's so spectacular. So, all their belts are off. Yay! That's great. And uh, this is a weird little, I, I wrote this down as the dichotomy of Harris. Go ahead, bitch. Again, calling fucking the girl a bitch. Growled Harris. His big ears created little half-moon shadows of blackness on the side of his head. Denton buys it. We all get promoted. Hell, the wizard will probably shoot you while he's at it. And, you know, Harris says, you, you don't have the guts to shoot me. And Rod, Denton says, you're an idiot. The man's in a corner. Which is interesting because he's referring to him as a, like an animal who's cornered. When they're the animals. I blinked, surprised at the unexpected support. <laughs> it, made me... Sorry. it made me instantly suspicious. Absolutely. That Marconi was out of sight did not mean he was out of mind either. Where was he? Brilliant. Because it's true. He's very, as as 
bumbling as he claims to be, he is very aware. And so, you know, you are an idiot, he says to, to Harris. You and Ben take the belts off too. Leave them on the ground. Do it, Denton confirmed. And I, I got a little more nervous. The man was relaxed now, not resisting me. His voice was solid, competent, unimpressed. That was bad. <laughs> and then... Mm, I guess that's more of a rut row. Rut row. Very much a rut row. Uh, and then he said and tells that Harris and Wilson to step into the tree light and bring out what they left there. And Harris like, hey, 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 wait, what are you doing? Don't any of you move. And this is, Denton is scary as fuck. Shoot at them, Mr. Dresden, Denton said, and you will have to take your gun off of me. I think I can reach it if you do that and turn this into a fight. You are resourceful and intelligent, but you are also wounded. I don't think you could, you could overcome me in hand to hand. I glanced between the two men and Denton. Damn it, I said. What are you up to, Denton? You try anything funny, anything at all, or you, and you're not going to live to regret it. I'm with the FBI. I don't do anything that could be construed as funny, Mr. Dresden. <laughs> I like that. that I mean, that, I you, that's he funny. says a joke about not being yeah. funny. It's just kind of... <laughs> it's very, that dry sense of humor. And, you know, and... They, this is a, I, I have some all caps bolded questions here. Um, so Harry wants to know what the fuck, man, why did you get involved with these belts? Why are you doing this? Reasonable questions. Absolutely. Too many years of seeing men like Marconi laugh at them. that laugh at the law of seeing people hurt by him, death, misery brought on by him and people like him. I was tired of just watching. I decided to stop him and men like him. By killing them, I said. I was given the power. I become. I used it. I exactly. What gives you the right to mandate their deaths? What gives them the right? Denton asked. To kill. Should I stand by and let them slaughter Dresden? If I can stop it, I have the power and the responsibility to use it. <laughs> this is he's judge, jury, and execution. But it's flipping the idea again. We talked about it last week, and it's it's not a new one. Certainly, it's in every single, you know, uh, hero story ever. The power, great power, great responsibility thing. But it's absolute power, perhaps absolutely, same cause. But it's, but it's the same thing. It's with yeah. power comes responsibility with a yeah. big old capital B. Like, oh, shit. Um, sorry. With big old capital B. Like, but the, yeah. that responsibility is to use that power in a way that... Responsibly. Responsibly and sustainably. But, like, he's corrupting that idea of... <sighs> His responsibility in this case is to use the power no matter what, you know, to, to take down the bad guys as opposed to to make the world correct, if that makes sense. Like, mm -hmm. which is kind of like what Dresden's trying to do. They're both breaking laws, right? But like Dresden's trying to make the world the way it should be, whereas the Hex and Wolfen are trying to punish those, punish bad guys, right? And it's the idea of punitive, punitive versus restorative justice this is sort of my one of the things that popped in my head when i was looking at this the um I, i'm i'm going to reference a brand new um <laughs> a brand new series well, to the where black widow she's natasha says during i think it's endgame is endgame or one of the two one of the last two there's a moment where she says i'm just trying to clear my ledger and that is dresden's he's trying to clear his ledger and Denton doesn't have that same concept of karma. 
This is very much the judge, jury, and executioner. And so, yeah, she, she brings that up all the way back in in Avengers, where she, you know, she's got okay. she had a lot of red, like, just no, no, no. I mean, she means she's that's it's a running theme all the way through. Like she mm-hmm. met, she talks about that with uh, I think in that conversation with Loki, but like where she's like, it's it's her kind of raison d'etre, you know, like she wants to make up for all the bad things she did as a you know as a widow as a member of the red room or whatever but like and, and harry's in a, a similar that's a great that's a great reference because like they're they are very similar they have this darkness and they'll let it come out and they'll do good and bad things but at the end of the, the day like they want they'll, they're willing to sacrifice they just want to clear their ledger but yeah and that that was that was this is his his not it's not a moment it's throughout the series is he's just trying to clear his ledger and it was very, it's very much a, he, it's the redemption arc. He's trying to redeem himself. Uh, and I, that's, that's a great, that's a great reference. I love it. But it's in this, in this scene, this is the dichotomy between Denton and, and uh, Harry, where it's, um, uh, and the other people, the innocents who died, it was unfortunate, an accident. It was never my intention. The belts do more than make you fuzzy, Denton. They change the way you think, the way you act. I can control my people, Denton began, like you did last month. Uh, And then, you know, that's why you sent me to the Full Moon Garage. After the deaths, I was warned about a governing body, a sort of magic police, the White Council, that you worked for them. Yeah, well, someone told you part of the story anyway, Denton. That's why you messed up McFinn's circle, isn't it? You needed a patsy, and you turned MacFin loose, knowing that the council would suspect him. The street wolves for the cops, the MacFin and MacFin for the council. Necessary sacrifices. There was work to be done, Dresden. Oh, yeah? As one of the aforementioned sacrifices, I don't find myself agreeing <laughs> with you. To hell with the law, right? That's what you're saying. That you're above the law. Like Marconi. I love Or he's the, the one you hate the worst. You're just fucking like him. Oh, yeah. There's a better way to do this, bro. Like those, he says, those belts are dr- are like a drug. As Ben is being a, again, we have gotten a yikesy moment about her breasts are pretty distracting. She's a fucking psychopath. Like, let her be in the dark, please. Those, bl- yeah, that's fine. She's a naked woman, but it's the description, the way he describes yeah, also, it. Also, you got a lot going on here, Dresden. Like, maybe stop looking at the titties for like 30 Babies. seconds. Right? Those belts are like a drug. Is this the kind of person she was? Is this the kind of person you want to be? Wilson, Harris, were they always like they are now? You're turning them into monsters, man. You've got to get out of this before you're all the way gone. And then Denton uses repetition throughout the books. But this is the most obvious. He says, you're a decent man, Mr. Dresden, but you have got no idea of how the world works. I'm sorry you've gotten in the way necessary sacrifices damn it don't you see that this won't do you any good even if you do get away with wiping out everyone here tonight murphy is going to pierce piece together what happened denton glanced at me and said like a mantra necessary sacrifices still has faith in murphy though i love it he still believes in her he still trusts her yeah yeah i'd swallowed suddenly more cold than i had been it was eerie the way Denton said the words, so matter-of-fact, calm, rational. There was no doubt of, doubt in him when he should have been afraid. 
Only fools and madmen know that kind of certainty. And I had already noted that Denton was no fool. I love that line. Great line. It was so good. So good. I was contemplating that being my quote of the week, but I have a better one. But I was just like that whole, that that's whole interaction is that the necessary sacrifices and only fools and madmen know that kind of certainty. Holy shit, that was amazing. And then Dumb and Dumber bring out a bound person with a pillowcase over their head and they have a cast on their arm. It's Murphy. Motherfucker. And this description, like, Murphy is busted. Her mouth was covered in cloth or duct tape, one of the two, and there was a, a blood there was blood clotted at the base of one nostril, a bruise purpling over one eye. She blinked for a moment and then kicked at Wilson. <laughs> With her legs bound, it was ineffective, and when Harris snarled and pressed the knife against her throat, she stopped struggling. Her blue eyes glared in fury at Harris and then Wilson, and then they settled on me and widened. I love that she's still fucking fighting. Yeah. <laughs> I fucking love her. She's like, she won't go quietly. She will not go quietly into the night. And he and Denton threatens her. Says, you kill me? Lieutenant's throat's going to get cut. And it's all going to look like it was the two of you. You bastard, I said. You cold-blooded bastard. Necessary sacrifices, Mr. Denton. Mr. Dresden, Denton said. But it wasn't a calm phrase anymore. It was eager, somehow warmth curving around and through the words like a lover's hands drop your gun no i said i won't he wouldn't kill another cop would he then murphy dies trenton said harris and murphy tries to scream because uh these fuckers and you know denton gives harry the business <laughs> the back of his elbow you should have shot me when you had the chance mr dresden instead of moralizing this is a creepy Trying to be ever dance with the devil in the pair of blue light kind of moment, but it's really just cheesy. I don't like this moment, and I think it's partially intentional. It's the I literally my notes say Denton incapacitates him. Denton is creepy as fuck. Um, just, I get it because he's like a wolf. Yes, and I get that, but I think it's but it's it's, it's weird. Yeah, I don't, I don't. It doesn't it doesn't work. Beautiful moon tonight, he said. Sort of reminds me of a story. Is there a moon in that story? No. How did it go? I tried to tell him where he could stick the moon in his story, but it came out a strangled gasp. I still couldn't move. It hurt too much. Denton thumbed back the triggers. You don't thumb back a trigger. You thumb back the hammer. And only if it's a double, if it's a single action revolver. It's just stupid. Um, I guess on a semi-automatic you could, but this is just, you thumb back the trigger. You never thumb back a trigger. Obviously that's a... Mistake. It's a mistake. Yeah, it's a mistake. Um, sighted down the barrel at my left eye and said, oh, "Yes." And I'll huff and I'll puff, and I'll blow your house down. Goodbye, wizard. Death, death by nursery tale. Tells bells. <laughs> I do like. I, I like that. that line. I like how. Yes. Um, well, I like the goodbye wizard and then death by nursery tale. It was just a bad. There's some. There's some gunplay mistakes throughout. Um, why? Oh no! I just throughout the series, uh, oh, the, and there's a there's a scene later where, like, actual people who can use guns are kind of making fun of Harry, Harry's gun like shooting ability. So mm -hmm. it, it, you can rationalize those, uh, you can hand wave rather those as just Harry doesn't know shit about guns. Yeah, because I mean, literally, he just keeps a handgun in his pocket. It's kind of his 
Yeah. He's got a six shooter in his pocket. Um, but I think I'm trying to think, I think there's some clip magazine mistakes later on. Whatever. He, he, I also want to specify, I don't know a ton about guns, but I have had to carry in my job. And I also, I always say, I don't know a lot about guns. I I know more about what happens after it goes pew, pew, pew. (laughs) And I have cops saying, I have cops talking back to me about like, yeah, no, none of the pew, pew stuff's probably good for you. (laughs) Hell's bells. Uh Uh-huh. So, again, it's just the barrel of Denton's gun looked bigger and deeper than the national debt as it swung to bear on my face. His gray eyes glittered down the sights at me, and I saw the decision to pull the trigger flash across them. Before he could, I met his eyes hard, shoved myself out toward him with a sudden screaming pain in my temples, and locked him into a soul gaze. Soul gaze as a weapon? (laughs) (laughs) Very interesting, though. Yeah, no, I like it. Especially knowing how people react to his soul gaze, this soul gaze included. Mm -hmm. It really only Marcone brushed it off. Yeah. He was certainly affected by it as you've said he's definitely wary around harry mm-hmm. he's he's a, been affected but this is interesting he, the reaction i mean i'm i go through the whole soul gaze soul gaze is interesting it's it, it's basically shows the slow and you know long-term corruption of denton oh um, yeah you know basically starting with a w- well orderly place with children and grass and it's m- m- much more metaphoric than say monica no last name soul gaze but it's all about degradation. Yeah, absolutely. It's all about the destruction and decomposition of the goodness and the clarity that was. Yeah, I mean, it just shows how jaded, uh, you know, a good cop gets, whatever, fucking a good person gets after just seeing how the world works. And he, you know, he mentions that to Harry. He just don't. You just don't get it. This isn't how the world works. You know, you, you gotta be, you gotta be a predator or your prey. Basically, is what he's kind of getting at. It's it's taking that thought to the ultimate, you know, non-metaphoric conclusion that he's got to be a predator. But in regards to that, is it truly because of what he's seen, or is it the destruction caused by the wolf? My take was, and he describes it as like it's years later. You know, he even says it. A, yeah. a good man, jaded by years, and and poisoned by the power that taking control of him. But we see that moment in here as well, where mm-hmm. uh, I, it just seems like he doesn't turn to the wolf pelt unless this happens. And I certainly think gotcha. you're right. It, yeah. it definitely accelerated all of that. But you see this like calm, peaceful, wonderful place, which I think is his idea of. This is how the world works. Things are well, and that's why he, you know, presumably became a cop is to try to, you know, again make the world better. Restorative, restorative versus punitive, which is, I, I mean, yeah. in my mind, a huge problem we have with our current justice system, among many other huge problems. But the idea that like you're punishing people instead of trying to fix fix things, um, uh, like get get them back by fixing the mistake. And certainly, sometimes you know there has to obviously that's not to say that. There can't be any punishment involved. Punishment is part of, in some cases, the fixing. But when punishment is the point, you're not solving anything. And that's kind of where, well, that's neither here nor there. That's a huge problem with our justice system is that it's not about res- restoring justice. It's about punishing no perpetrators. Punishing system. Punishing the communities that are already forced into these situations by punishing them and yes. slamming our heads against the wall and ho- assuming that that's going to change things. Or knowing that it won't and 
carving up voters that way. But there's there's an image of him kneeling at someone's feet as a wolf fur belt was passed into his hands. So I, I don't think he does that unless the putrefaction is already pretty deep. And I, I, I like your thought, though. I think it's definitely accelerated. It's almost like, yeah, made it worse, maybe. Yeah, the world's definitely worse now than it was before he got the belt. But he doesn't blame it on that. He's, you know, he just sees that as more reason to be more ruthless. In my yeah. Mind. Yeah, I mean, that, that was Denton. He's a good man jaded mm -hmm. by years and poisoned by power. Um, and probably a good part of that power, whether, again, this is a death of the author for sure, but the power of being a powerful FBI agent, yeah. you know, his ability to do these things and get away with it. Yeah, I would imagine this isn't the first time he's had Harris fuck up a forensic report, right? Yeah, it's X-Files forensics, X-Files bullshit. Well, yeah, but I just mean there's a corrupt... Well, no, but that, you know, but what I mean, like, where they're making it where, oh, it never happened. Yeah, for sure. But I, I mean, that's, I, the X-Files, oh, it never happened, there's no proof. I just mean that there's, you don't go from squeaky clean, good dude, good cop, to oh, literally God. turning into a wolf to devour your enemies. <laughs> and to, you know, innocence necessary uh, sacrifices. Yeah. Sacrifices. Like, so yeah. there's definitely, and I mean, there's a presumption, an assumption, an implication that he had been a corrupt cop for some time. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that was kind of the, the kids turning into winos and strumpets or whatever. Uh, of yeah. course, a dude, you know, a young boy who turns into something isn't ideal is a wino, but a young a young girl who turns into something not ideal mm -hmm. is obviously using her sexuality. Is it a massive part of the soul gaze? No, but it's just why, you know, like why the, the, the men turn into winos and the girls turn mm -hmm. into strumpets. Like, it's just mm -hmm. such a very clear, I know said as well. a clear under, misunderstanding of how sexuality should be and a clear explanation of how sexuality is understood and utilized in this in our in our universe and clearly in the dresden verse as well yeah very much so he knew that he, he bought himself a few seconds and he was just hoping it would be enough and you know he talks about how susan um collapsed after they soul gazed we saw monica sells freaked out freaked out obviously and you know marcone didn't really overreact but I think we're pretty clear that he did, you know, change his opinion, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, but Denton kind of like loses his mind here. Yeah. He, uh, his face went white. His hands were trembling. The barrel was waving. He was wiping uh, beads of sweat away from his face. He said, no, no, wizard. I don't believe in hell. I won't let you. And then he screamed at the top of his lungs. I won't let you. He tensed up in a very, very futile attempt to throw myself out of the way of a speeding bullet. <laughs> and again, just... The man's got I love, supernatural timing. You know, he's just always in the right place at the right time. Yeah. He says, yes, you will. A bright red dot appeared on the right of his chest, cheerful as a Christmas light. Marcone was walking over the turf, his weapon pointed at Denton. <laughs> mean. Oh, I love it. <laughs> uh, Denton said, Marcone, you treacherous scum. Like, treacherous, like, our bargainers let you bring me alive, not execute him. Yeah. Um, and he says, yeah, obviously, don't use your own weapons. Let McFinn kill him when he arrives. Mm. If he arrives. My spotters tell me that the animals I sent out with them went mad with fear about two minutes ago. Three miles west of here. I think it will not take him much longer to show up, Mr. Denton. Now, shall we cease antagonizing one another and finish our business? 
Here, Harry actually tries to get Marcone on his side, which is funny because that's what Marcone's been trying to do all novel. Uh huh. And he says, Marcone, just shoot him now. I think we've had enough of your attempts to divide and conquer, Mr. Dresden. You're beaten. Acknowledge it with grace. I mean it, John. I really do. I shit you not. This entire thing is about I them killing that. What a vulgar reassurance. <laughs> so fantastic. Oh. It's just, he's just great. I just, and I enjoy his, his cadence, I guess you could call it. Yeah. Marcone's just great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then says, I don't think so. And starts, uh, starts pulling the trigger at Hendricks. Motherfucker, don't you yeah. don't you come after my dog. Hendrix was slammed on his back. He didn't have time to twitch, much less screen. He dropped like a felled tree. I felt it in the earth when his massive That's how body big that motherfucker is. Hit the ground. I love it. Harry Harry tries to sneak away at this point and runs into uh a yikesy description, but it's just funny that he's trying to like you know skedaddle and uh he runs into uh a magnificently bare-breasted torso encircled by a wolf pelt built. Yeah. So it's Ben, and she smashes her foot into his shoulder, where I believe, he, we're pretty sure she shot him. So he's just rubbing it in, basically. Uh, yeah, she's not nice. No, not nice. So they uh, they drag him over to, they, they throw him into a pit, which is great. Um, his description of falling is fun. Um, but... Uh, he lands in some water, but somebody grabs him. And, you know, it turns out basically all of the prisoners are in there. Uh, Murphy, you got the wolves, and uh, we have Tara. And uh, <laughs> it's just a fun, you know, fun little interaction. Remember, we haven't had Murphy and Dresden having a chat. Yeah, because she kept trying to arrest but him. Really, so. since <laughs> the car. It's really the last time they had a conversation. Now, obviously, they were talking to each other, sort of, in the McFinn's uh, spot, but. This is her first talk in, in a novel, basically, in, uh, in 30 yeah. chapters. And, uh, uh, um, you know, she's like, uh, Dresden, are you all right? Yeah, he's good, you know. Um, it's interesting that um, he lets it slip here and she doesn't respond. He mentions the White Council to Murphy. Yeah. Yeah. And she doesn't say anything about it. I literally have... Uh... What does does Murphy know about the White Council? Wait, she doesn't. And I know, but she he mentions it. She doesn't say anything about it. Which is, I mean, that must be. I think that's a mischaracterization. That's a plot hole. That's a mistake. Yeah. Um. Yeah. In universe, can we hand wave that? With obviously everyone's stressed out. It's a weird situation. He says something. She doesn't really get it. Alan's hard. That one's hard to justify because. Well, because she says, it is. "Why? Why would they? Wouldn't they just kill us? Why leave us for McFit?" Which also yeah. doesn't really cover their tracks from the White Council. It covers the covers them from the actual justice system. They're not using their guns, so yeah. it's a mistake in two ways. But again, he's fucked up. So I can actually imagine him saying this, but there's no way Murphy lets that slide. Because he, he says it twice, right? And, you know, he, he explains why he said, I tried to cover the tracks of the White Council. Denton wants McFinn to take the fall for all their deaths. I think he's lost it. Who the fuck's the White Council? That's the thing. Like, why exactly. does she ask? I, that's a mistake. That's that's a, that's that's bad writing. Um, yeah. I, I agree. That moment is, it, it It took me out for a minute. Again, I I believe Harry would say that. I actually, I do actually believe yeah. that. But I, Murphy doesn't, she's too sharp to let that go. 
of even in this moment. But uh, so let's just say he says they they don't want to kill us with their weapons. <laughs> it makes it all make more sense. And she says, I, I always wind up in the nicest places when I hang with you, Justin. <laughs> Which I love that. Is a meaningful line, right? Because remember when she, at the, uh, I guess it was since the car, but at the department store where the Cub Scout have the Cub Scout meetings, mm -hmm. she said something similar. Um, like, again, yeah. when we talked about it when it was then, it was it was something funny you say to your friends, you know, like, like I fucking hate hanging out with you. But that wasn't the exact quote. Somewhere along those lines of I hate hanging out. I hate, yeah. you know. We always end up in these yeah. shit show places. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so it's just like, it's one of those lines that means more than it means. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's it's not yeah. just a throwaway. And that's why it's disappointing that it comes right on the heels of that. Because if he had just said, you know, they don't want to kill us with their guns. That's a great line. That's actually really great. I love it. Yeah, because she's he says yeah. that, now she looks like an idiot while becoming friends again. You know what I mean? Like this is a big line in their relationship because she like, all right, but you know, you're still a dick. You're still a dick, and I'm yeah, out of you. But let's go, bud. Yeah. yeah. No, she was. He was distracted some way, and it just didn't. Yeah. No. It. It. That was. It was a miss. Yeah, it was definitely a miss. One of those that. Stuff is going to slip by and not the end of the world, but certainly, like you said, it certainly takes you out of the chapter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so they uh, they got loose. Tara's awake and, and kind of petting the puppies, taking care of the dogs, the uh, alphas. She's basically giving up. They have a big pit. What they're hoping to happen is that McFinn will come down and eat their faces off and then get stuck. And in, in the morning, when he's just a dude, they'll kill him. Uh, Marco later says there's a bunch of nets that are going to come down and trap. Now, whether or not that would actually hold McFinn, who wouldn't even notice these gigantic wonders around the property, are a couple of nets. I hope they're made of like something really strong. And that I, I, I don't really know that this plan would have worked, but I like that Marcone has a plan. Why wouldn't he have a plan, you know? Yeah, of course he does. But uh, she tells Murphy, obviously, that she says you're saying getting responsible for for all of them, one way or another. Yeah, she, she breaks into acidic swearing. I love that, um, which we don't get to hear, unfortunately. That was the angle no, I was missing. No. no wonder Denton was so hot to keep you out of the case, off the case, and out of the way, and why he wanted to find you so bad after the scene at McBin's place. Which mm -hmm. remember the exposition dump we got from Carmichael, Carmichael, uh -huh. when they first got to Wolf Lake Park. The FBI were holding them up. Yeah. So that also doesn't make sense. Denton was so hot. He wanted to find you so bad after the scene at McFinn's place. Then why wouldn't he keep somebody up on guard on the car? And why did the FBI slow down that process? That doesn't make sense. Again, it's things like this that just... Well, I mean, I'm trying to think of been a while since i've read that scene um i mean it, he could have had a plan that's the thing and did he know about the re the white council at that point we we don't know what we his knowledge base was at that point that's what why they destroyed the circle okay gotcha got oh that's right that's right um yeah i don't know i mean it's there's a lot of stuff that where it's just like wait a sec yeah again the, are these um life you know does it ruin the novel no but it's just they add up 
and it, yeah, it just consistencies to the idea that, you know, this one's not quite as, as complete. You know, it's just, like I said, at the beginning of this, it's, he didn't, he clearly didn't put the same amount of care and the same amount of time into it. That's not, again, not to say he just, you know, pooped out a novel and said, go, yeah, it's fine, good enough. It's just, I, I assumed and kind of projected onto him the idea that he had Stormfront for longer. And apparently he wrote it a couple before he got even Stormfront uh, published. Um, so he may have written this shortly after that, but very, and again, even by, by math and the way that time and space works in our universe, he would have had Stormfront for longer, even if he got them all approved, you know what I mean? So he just I, he very clearly was working on the other, Storm, just Stormfront's much more polished. It is. The other side of it is could be that just who his editor was. When he was in school, he had someone editing Stormfront, right? It was that's a school project. I right? I, I, it could have just been a better editor. That's the other thing. Where if you don't have someone who's a good editor, that could affect your finals product. Yeah. Well, I'm I know really glad that you you said that about the White Council thing because that's something that I obviously, obviously, obviously by your 15th or 16th reading, Lisa, you pick up on these things. You'll get there. Mm. <laughs> like, and I don't say obviously, but like the fact that you having only read it one time picked that up is great because like, yeah, a lot of these things I think are like, is it really that bad, you know? Or is it just yeah, as you read it? Uh, but that's like, that one's not, a, and, and that could affect, like I said, with, you know, George Byron Martin has two like of the biggest fans of his series how many biggest fans of the series are there at this point? You know, like somebody who's read Stormfront twice. <laughs> you know, like, But it's also, I mean, the thing is like, um, Diana Gabaldon, 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 I can't, I don't sure. remember how to say her last name, who did um, Outlander. She has, she keeps fastidious uh, notes and she maps out her novels and things like that. I think she's on, I think she's 10 now or something like that. And that's, you know, that story goes through time. Rick, that's a great, great, great word. Um, fastidious. What? Oh, yes. I love that word. Uh, but that's one of the things where it's, you know, just different authors do it different ways. But I really think that in, in this case, it might have just been the case of a, a, an author not having a good. Yeah, I mean, again, I mean, the better you get. The rich get richer, right? Like, I mean, like Stephen King's probably got like you know the the best editor available because he shits out. A... It's also might be a process, it, you know. Butcher might not have had the same yeah, process absolutely. in place too. So again, yeah, it's I mean it is you know it's his mistake certainly. I don't want to say it's not his mistake, yeah. but yeah, it's one of those things that like the better you get, the harder it is for things like that to happen. It's early on, and you expect grind pains. And, and like, we're, beat we're, we're talking about his <laughs> shittiest novel. Like, the guy's written twenty five novels, and this is probably the worst. And we found three. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we got <gotcha>. you. <laughs> it's like you know, like like. And got gotcha you moments. They're just like, hold on, this doesn't make sense. Like, come on, suck it. Podcast is on fire. Like, yeah, I fucked up one line back twenty five years ago. <laughs> right now. But it, it's also, you know, I really do. There's it. Be, I think because we said this, you know, he's so good at his characterization and his his setting of scenes, and it was just one of those like weird details that was like, ooh, wait a sec. It's just it's jarring yeah. is all. But whatever. Again, not the end of the world. Uh -huh. That's something we noticed. Sorry, Jim Butcher. But uh, 
we we realized that we have Marcone dangling above the pit tied up as bait. The idea is he gets Marcone, they drop him in the pit, they drop the nets on top, he murders, he does what he does, it just murders everything. And then they kill the body of McFinn uh, when he's you know, human again. a human being again, which is actually something interesting, and um, we'll talk about it vis-a-vis -vis what St. Patrick said. And uh, he's like his... Pretty good plan. Dresden recognizes, like, yeah, that was, yeah, that was pretty good. <laughs> and Murphy says, what can we do? And he's like, I don't know. Yeah. Tara's like, nothing. We are beaten. Yeah. Tara's <laughs> done. Yeah, Tara's, Tara's checked out at this point. Murphy's voice comes out uncertain, quiet, and says, I've got some thinking, Dresden. I've decided that there's a reasonable chance you aren't involved with the killings. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's real bigger, you Murph. Doesn't what Den dude sort of prove I'm not involved? At this point, she, you know, she goes back to stop. It's who I am. No, Harry. It just means that he wanted to kill you and me both. Doesn't mean that it's just reason everything you're saying. He wants you. <laughs> yeah, but also, eh, eh. He wants me dead, Murph. That should mean something, should it? Not really. What I can tell, he wants pretty much everyone dead. <laughs> and you can still be lying to me. Yeah, I'm not. Cross my heart. Um. You know, she says she can't take his word anymore. Just a lot of people dead. I, again, like, I, I get it. It's, I, I, is it mischaracterization? No. Does it sort of make sense with respect to the text? I think it totally does. Yes. Are we, uh, that's why I said sort of, yes. Are we only getting this from, you know, Dresden's perspective and she's seen things that he hasn't? Yeah. You know, so I understand it. It's not mischaracterization. I don't love it. Um, but, you know, the, I still like you, Dresden, but I can't trust you. I, I, I get, I mean, I get that a lot. Like, that is a sentence that, you know, especially this is hot off the heels of um, our Lord and Savior, Detective Carmichael dying, which is awful. And so she's in a bad place mentally, emotionally. She's got a, her arm fucked up. Physically, she's not in great shape. She just had a knife at her throat. You know, I, I understand that. And I think the fact that she's saying things like, I still like you and, you know, like she's clearly like using friendly language toward like they're cheap, all but apologized. Right. Like she's a cop and we all know that what cops are and she's deciding to almost apologize just to say the words. I'm sorry, but there's a reasonable chance that you aren't involved. Like that's her apologizing to Harry in her way. Right. Like I'm trying to talk myself out of liking her. Well, I am though. You know, I, I think it, I think it's completely reasonable for her to not completely trust him she's still trying to deal with shit that he's done in bad times and bad moments and so i you know i don't see it in the same way i think it's completely reasonable and i mean she's is there she got kidnapped or abducted in some way shape or form and shows up and fucking harry's there like she's kidnapped at, and taken to marconi's house i mean that all of these things she's trying to sort through i wouldn't trust anybody either Honestly. Yeah, no, like I said, I, it's it's all fair. I yeah, I don't think it's mischaracterization just, characterization at all. Yeah, no, that, I, that's what I'm saying. I, I That's what I agree 1 million percent. Uh, I, if I hadn't made that clear again, that's what I'm saying is that like, I thought this was really poorly written and it's not. It's just not a good story. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it's not horrible, but it's not. It's not. I just think it's a dumb story. About really well crafted characters told finely. <laughs> if that makes sense. It's the worst story of the bunch, 
I mean, just see, but the, again, I don't have that frame of reference. No, I don't. So, I mean, I, I don't think it's all that bad. I'm just telling you, I love it. I love it. But I, I've unabashedly come around to this appreciating this yeah. novel for what well, it is. Well, it's one of those which things is, where, like, you, you, you constantly say, oh, this is the worst one, this is the worst one. But I'm like, I, I don't have that, you know, I don't have wait, that frame of well, reference. Well, you, you do have the same frame of reference I have. You've read an a, a, X number of Dresden Files novels. Where does this fit on your list I, of X number I of Dresden Files? I think they're relatively novels? equal. I don't think it's that much worse. That much worse, or it's not. Worse? I, I don't. I. How would you rank? I can't rank. Them. Them I can't. Rank them. It's. I only have two books. They both have yeah. pros. They both that have. That should be really easily. No, I. They both have pros. They both have cons. It's easier to rank two things than seventeen things. <laughs> That's math. But baby. it's also it's also a, a a a false analysis because it's it's. They're two very different things that I don't have enough of a a collection of things that, of his work that, I, that I've read that I can say, oh my God, this is the worst. It's like reading Nor a Northanger Abbey and saying like, the, that being the only book you read by Jane Austen and be like, this is the worst. This is the her worst book. No, so no, much no, better no, than the other. No. I don't, I do not think that. God, no, 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 no. A Stormfront is not great by any means. But either way, Sorry. whatever, neither, no, it's fine. It's, you're allowed. You're allowed to have opinions. Was I not clear on that at the beginning of this podcast? <laughs> I know. I know most of your opinions are going to be mine, just because I have great gods. Um, but you're allowed once in a while. Once to just just don't push it. Okay, sense of work. I do like. There's a line in here that's interesting. As Marcone's swinging above them, he says, "I felt a pang of sympathy for him. However much of a heartless bastard he might be, no one deserved to dangle like bait from a hook." Mm -hmm. There's just, he's a good dude. He doesn't believe it, but he's a good guy. You know, like I, I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy, you know? Though um, he mentions a couple of times, that he doesn't really see him as his worst enemy, but, um, you know, he's just, he goes through, again, he is that classic Harry Dresden, woe is me, um, where he blames himself for everyone who's going to die, everyone who's already, you know, he says, Carmichael, the poor jerk, was dead because of me. Um, so were the other good cops. So was Hendrix. And to do something about it. Um, I gotta do something to get out of here, Murph. Um, help me out. And she's like, magic? He's like, something like that. <laughs> um, but they're trying to figure out a way to get out of here. Um, you know, Tara's not being super helpful also. Um, but <laughs> I'd like the Murph. Murphy again just does a great job breaking it down. Like, all you need to do is get to the get you to the top of the pit. Then you're gonna go one on four with a bunch of armed FBI agent come werewolves. Beat them in time to go up against the loop guru that we couldn't stop before with all of your magic gizmos and a building full of police officers. Essentially. That's <laughs> <laughs> just and then she, well executed. Well executed. <laughs> oh, it's just it's perfect because it goes right from that to she says, Well, oh, I guess it could be worse. <laughs> Right. As always, what anyone says, I guess it could be worse. The goddamn loop grows It's worse. <laughs> you had to say that. And yet, I said to Murphy, Happy, it's worse. <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to chop this episode in half. Bonus podcast! Uh, just make it downloadable and palatable so you're not sitting here for a decade and a half listening to us ramble. So, um, 
We appreciate you. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you on the flip side. I have been Josh. Podcast is on fire.